Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Welcome to episode 560 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, my co-host Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm doing good. We're planning life too far ahead. Oh, I love when I bring it up and your Joe's is, we'll burn that bridge when we come to it. Yes. I, I, I had to make it to this past weekend and I did. And then the next milestone is... October. So right. hoping hoping for an easy, carefree summer, not taking any time off. No days We're off. We're gonna be here every week. So uh there have been times where the, so there's always been a show. I know I've taken a time off or two. Mm-hmm. But you filled in with the mad basis. But I always like it that there's something new in this space every week. Right. We've kept a track record. As long as I don't have a, 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 you know, another kerfuffle between now and October, we'll see, you know. Or I get snowed in in this cold snap we got going on, Joe. It was it was eighty eight degrees at noon today, and as we record this, it's a balmy fifty five degrees, and the thermometer's dropping, Joe. <laughs> it's I have some stupid weather thing on my uh, phone that gives me the notification. Mm-hmm. And uh, it said, today will be, like this morning I woke up and it said, today will be 28 degrees colder than yesterday. And I'm like, that's horrible. Today, Captain Cold will be attacking the Northeast Pennsylvania area. <sighs> it would be Mr. Freeze, actually. <laughs> it's a cold gun that works in a much limited <laughs> radius. Oh, my God. Are you pushing up your glasses as you do that? I am. Okay. I don't have the camera on, but you would see me doing it. Thank God I don't. But uh, yes. So would you like to know what we have on the show this week, Joe? Todd, what do we have to talk about on the show this week? Uh, a Marvel event back on track. Creator leaving a top tier book. Um, a collection finally being released. And I know Joe is going to be happy about this one. Mm. And finally, uh, something's someone's getting a sponsor. Not us, but someone. <laughs> So, also, we have conventions. Conventions? Yes, we have conventions. And, like a boat on a computer, we have digital sales this week, Joe. My God. (laughs) What we read last week, which was Venom 200-35 and Nightwing uh, 81. What we're looking forward to this week. Um, We also have the Clone Saga and Jonah Hex. Um, Todd's Art Attack, and at the end, spoiler-filled talk of TV with both Loki and Legends of Tomorrow. Yes, and because it was kind of unofficially on the list of things, uh, Todd mentioned about someone getting a sponsor, but uh, I think we are going to make a play uh, to be the official spokespeople of something. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I forgot that. Well, again, it kind of happened off the main email. That's but, uh, right. All right, so Todd mentioned a event is back on track, and Todd has been, and I have become, in the last year or so, a fan of the writer Tom Taylor, who was supposed to be doing a big event at Marvel last year. Uh, obviously, the pandemic kind of put a kibosh on a lot of that stuff. 
Well, as of this past Friday, it appears as though the event that he is doing, um, what, what's it called? Uh, I forget what it's called. It's something about the lights going out Dark, or something. Dark Ages, isn't it? Dark, Dark Ages? Ages, yes. Uh, is back on the slate for September. Uh, now, we don't have the uh, Marvel solicitations for September just yet, but I'm sure we'll get a little bit more information about that then. Uh, it was teased in last year's free comic book day offering from Marvel, just to give you an idea of t- as to when this was supposed to happen. Uh, I'm just happy that it's back on track, you know? I am too. I'm interested to see. See, I thought this was originally, because I get so confused over stuff, I thought this was going to be a uh like kind of like heroes reborn like its own thing yeah, but yeah. i guess that's like it's still gonna have crossover stuff so i don't know exactly what they mean but i read tom taylor so yeah so i think what this initially felt like was when it was originally being pitched or solicited was like some sort of as you mentioned like heroes reborn thing uh, what some if? sort of like alternate uh timeline reality whatever right a what if story basically yeah 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 so but marvel don't do no what ifs no more well, I think they probably would. Don't they have that what if show coming on to Disney Plus? I think so. If it's if it's not already on there and I just haven't watched it, I don't know. So I figured with them, they have kind of like a synergy kind of thing going on. I figured they'd have one, you know. Right. So, again, I'm happy that that's back on track. Now, you would also mention about a creator leaving a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I think this is less about him leaving the book. But it's more so that his big final event, the Sinister War thing over an Amazing Spider-Man, that's getting delayed, which is going to delay his leaving of said book, which he's been an Amazing Spider-Man for a couple years now, eh? Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Um, And I do like the the press release that they'll be leaving in September, and he's crafted um, Spider-Man Saga for the Agers, um, taking not only Peter Parker, but his beloved beloved supporting cast, and iconic rogues gallery. Not number one in the the press release. You know, it's the the third best. So I just wanted to get that out. Second best. Third. But anyway. Hey, who agrees with you of uh, Batman being a better rogues gallery? Everybody. Uh Uh-huh. I'm thinking of one person in the particular, if you know (laughs) what I mean. So so you cast your stone in with him, huh? You know what? Sometimes it's the devil you know, Joe. So as I'm looking at, like, because Sinister War was supposed to be, like, the big, like, summer Spider-Man event. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it's trickling into the beginning of September, which is when Nick Spencer is supposedly leaving the book. And that event ends with Amazing Spider-Man number 73. So I wonder, is he going to hold out to issue 75 just so he gets that nice new, like that nice round divisible by five number to end his run? Or are they going to use that 75 as to when the new person is going to come on of whoever that's going to be? Couldn't they just do, like, a Venom thing, like we're going to be talking about later, where 35 is 200? They could just do the new math and make it a legacy numbering. But I don't know if the 75 is going to line up with the correct legacy numbering. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I get you, but I feel they've fudged the numbers on on an occasion, Joe. Well, we'll get into that when we talk about Venom, about how I thought they fudged the numbers, and they tried to show their work, and I'm, I'm too lazy to verify their work. Right, right. Uh, But it'll be interesting to see who picks up the book after this. I will freely admit I'm a little behind on Amazing Spider-Man. Just because, you know, a lot of things 
uh, as we discuss here on the show, it's, if it's something that you and I read together, uh, it kind of falls more to the top of the list of stuff to read as opposed to the stuff that just I read for me. Right. Uh, I know what you're saying. I, I'm interested to see who's going to be taking Spider-Man over to because I'd like to read it. But I and I'm just worried because I had to get off the, the Nick Spencer train on Spider-Man because it just became so much. It was like, here's your, your your books. And then it was going back from legacy numbers like a 50. Like they were having a 50 and a and an 800 right next to each other. And then it was like all the point ones, but they were written by Nick Spencer. I'm yeah. like, I'm like. You lost me. It's a, it's the ability to jump off. And he, he, it was Nick Spencer writing boomerang at times. And I still was like, I'm leaving. So I'd like a fresh start and see who's, who's doing Spider-Man. Absolutely. I agree. I'm all for it outside of like a small JMS shaped hole in my collection. I've got every issue of amazing Spider-Man from like the two fifties to current. So Tom Taylor, you're here you go. Well, again, he we'll see. Um, you know, not even I, I can't even speculate or postulate of who would be taking over Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I say, uh, if I'm Marvel, and I'm sure they already have someone lined up, because if they're advertising Nick Spencer leaving, they probably already have his replacement uh, ready to go and with at least three issues in the can, you know? Right. I wonder if Jason Aaron on Spider-Man. Okay. Jason Aaron on Spider-Man, perfect. But now, Jason Aaron has to move off Avengers, and he's been on Avengers for a while himself now, too. That would make sense, though. Okay, that would make perfect sense. You put a big gun on a big book. I say Amazing Spider-Man sells well regardless. Take a risk. Find someone oddball, weird, never worked for Marvel. You know, I don't even know who that person would be. But take a risk with Amazing Spider-Man. What's the worst that could happen? You could lose a lot of sales. But then you could just course correct. No, I get you. But I don't think they think that way. I think they go, who's next in line on these bigger books? And sure. go like, all right, what, what's your five-year plan? You know what I mean? Like, you're not bringing Jason Aaron on or a big name to do Spider-Man for, for, for four months. And I think that's the way they're going to go. And again, you know, yes, I I get where you're coming from, and I agree with you. That's the mentality of things. But I say sometimes, you know, uh, you know, when you're number one, sometimes you can play a little fast and loose, maybe, right? Right. We'll see. I'm interested. When it happens, it happens. Yes. Now, uh, another thing I mentioned, the September solicitations for Marvel are not out. But strangely... The company that usually has their solicitations out the last has them out the first with DC for September. And it's nothing surprising. You know, there's Batman books coming. <laughs> and uh, I think the uh, uh, even though it's and I'm on the fence, you might need to convince me on this one. Uh, the Batman secret files of Miracle Molly might be a skip for me. But it's a secret files and you're a secret files guy, Joe. I'm a, so I'm a Secret Files guy, and it's written by the writer of the main book. But I ain't feeling no Miracle Molly, you know what I mean? And I think I may have said this before. That's a nightmare costume to draw, man. Uh-huh. That's, and that just goes through my head when every time I see her. Yeah, I, I get they're trying it. Like, they're, like the whole solicitation text that she's like this breakout star and everything. And I'm like, 
Just because you tell us she's a breakout star doesn't really make her a breakout star, I guess. She's the new Green Arrow. Remember when Green Arrow was going to be the breakout star four years running? And then, you know, finally they had the TV show. So I just wanted to mention that. But, of course, the I would say the gem of the month, <laughs> the biggest thing, the news-breakingest item that comes out of the DC September 2021 solicitations is... The trade paperback of all six print issues <laughs> of Inferior 5. Oh, print issues. Well, four print issues and two digital ones. So this is solicited to come out on October 12th, which is my kid's birthday. I hope he, I hope he wants this for his birthday. Well, somebody in the house wants it for his birthday. Well, I'll say this. I hope he doesn't want this for his birthday because Todd... I'm taking off my glass and I'm looking at you and the microphone in a very serious manner. Oh, okay. This book ain't coming out. I will. Oh no, this book is coming out. Yeah. This book is coming out. Um, because it's got a peacemaker story in it. They want mm. something on the shelves with something suicide squad tied in as much as they can. I could see them grabbing this, the peacemaker backups and releasing that separately, or this maybe coming out uh retitled as peacemaker featuring the inferior five uh, still come out that way i i ain't got no hope for this book todd and it bums me out to say it all right let's make a little bet no no bets let, no let bets. Me, no 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 let me finish if this book doesn't come out i'll buy you any trade paperback you want but if this book comes out you're buying me this trade paperback that's how Sure I am that this book is coming out. Okay, so wait. So if this doesn't come out, right? I pick a trade paperback. And not an omnibus, not a hardcover, not nothing like that. Nothing. What's great. the price point? I can't read it right there. 17 bucks. A ballpark 17. If it was 21, I wouldn't blink. If it was, you know, if you went under it, I wouldn't blink. Sure. So this doesn't come out, you buy me something. Right. This does come out, I buy you this. Yes, that exact book. I'll... No problem. You got it. All right. Now, and again, I will even say this. This comes out. Uh, I'm not saying, like, it doesn't matter if it's late. It doesn't matter if it gets retitled. It doesn't matter if they flip it so the Peacemaker stuff is up front and the Inferior 5 stuff is in the back. They do a new John Cena cover with a (laughs) forward written by John Cena. If this story comes out in a collected print format, right, then I lose the bet. Mm-hmm. This ain't coming out. Okay. I think I got the win here. I think I got the lock. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, I love having a I love having a no win, you know, clause in my contract. So anyway. Anyway, so uh, as mentioned many times here on the show before, uh, Free Comic Book Day is back. Uh, It is coming August 14th. Go find your local comic book retailer in your area. Uh, Get some free books, but also support your local shops. Uh, And more importantly, for the first time in its 20-year history, Free Comic Book Day has sold out. Because they have an official sponsor... Uh, for this year, and it's my favorite 
body rotting beverage, <laughs> and I say that lovingly. I know it's horrible for me. Uh, Coca Cola and the fantastic Coca Cola Company. Oh, so dirt, dirt water is uh, the sponsor of Free Comic Book Day. If it had been Pepsi, come see me. The one true soft drink, Joe. Well, listen, if you care so much about Pepsi, why don't you get a tattoo of it on your arm, huh? Oh, after I get the two X's on the back of my hands. <laughs> How many times you need to be slapped? <laughs> um, no, I'm, I've always been more of a Coke fan. Coke has a little bit more bite to it. Pepsi just kind of, like you say, Coke is a brown water. Pepsi is a brown water. Now, honestly, when I go out to eat, I don't care. You put, ice, you put enough ice in it, it tastes fine, right? Right, as long as there's no cheese on your burger, you're good. Yeah, but when I go to the store to pick up something that's going to be in my house, and my choices are Pepsi or Coke, or crab juice, <laughs> gakalash, I'm going with the Coke. See, I, I, I'm with you if I go out and, you know, I'm in a restaurant, and I'm like, can I have a Diet Pepsi? And they're like, oh, Diet Coke, okay. I flip the table. You know, I'm just like... No, but yeah, I'm like, whatever you got, that's fine. But if I did the taste test, I think you're the same way. No problem telling the difference, but I'm a Pepsi man all, all the way, all the way. I, and, I'll, and I'll say this, if it's because the ice, if it's, if it's a fountain over ice, I probably couldn't tell the difference. Mm -hmm. But if you had it to, like in a can or out mm -hmm. of a bottle, I could absolutely tell the difference. Right. Cheap pops. I got you. I could probably even tell the di now. I'll say this: out of a fountain, I could tell the difference between uh, diet right or a diet coke, diet Pepsi. Yeah, there is a definite difference in that. Yeah, yeah. So, but I checked the I checked the local Dollar General. Sadly, they don't have diet Jolt, which is oh, uh, Jolt was my choice of my drug of choice growing up. Yeah. But uh, and it did my heart well. But I just want to see, like, Superman and Spider-Man just, like, winking into the camera, having a nice cold Coke on a, on a page. Like, because how far away from that are we, Joe? Well, um... I think not these ones, because these were probably in the can because of COVID. Yeah, so I feel as though all this is going to be is you're going to see, like, a Coca-Cola logo next to the free comic book day logo. And that's about it. Right. No, I honestly think at some point, like when they're when they're like the flash is like, well, I've just thrown the number one rogues gallery in jail time to celebrate, have have a Coke or Batman's like I've thrown the number two rogues gallery in the Arkham Asylum, have a Coke. You know what I mean? That's the way it, it's literally going to come to that at some point. So we get at least in the D.C. books, right? Mm -hmm. We get those Snickers ads that are two page ads that look like a comic book story. And I hate them at certain points when you're reading a book because they fool you. I hate them as well. And they fool you, right? So uh, we're already there. But mm -hmm. what you're saying is as part of the 20 to 22 page storyline, mm -hmm. like them drinking a Coke is going to be a plot point. Have you heard of a little comic called uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Joe? <laughs> well, that, oh, was they a, that was a promotional item. Which what free comic books are. Right. right. Oh, crossover. What brand of uh, soft drink do they use at KFC? Pepsi. Oh, you can't. Oh. That, like, whatever, like, and again, I, I, I mentioned, I think, on After Dark last week that I'm a bit of a fast food guy secretly. Yes. But it's more like the business end of it. 
Yum Brands, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like that's the corporation Yum Brands, which is KFC, Taco Bell, and Pizza Hut. Right. They're Pepsi. Uh, okay. McDonald's is McDonald's. McDonald's is his own thing. Uh, they're Coke. Uh, Wendy's, also its own thing, also Coke. Burger King, I bet you didn't know this. No, the same didn't. The same company that owns Burger King also owns Popeyes. Okay. So I don't know what that, like, higher conglomerate company is, but they're both um, Coke as well. Mm-hmm. A majority of your fast food chains are Coke. Like I said, only those yum brands ones, the Taco Bell, the KFC, and the Pizza Hut or Pepsi. Right. So it would be harder to get Marvel. It would. What would be harder, to have Marvel and DC crossover in a comic or Pepsi and Coke crossover in a comic? So here's where I'm thinking. It's not going to be a soda. You know how in DC they have like six different Starbucks knockoffs? Yeah. Like Sand Dollar and all these other things? Mm Mm-hmm. You're going to get Starbucks as the in storyline name brand. Like, they're going to be like, the Flash is going to run by a Starbucks. Oh, no jitters anymore? And it's not, right. Like, that's what it's going to be. And uh, is it going to be Marvel or DC that does it? Right. Oh, boy. I think it'll be Marvel. I think it'll be Marvel because Marvel has a lot of their, like, ends with, um, like, the, 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 the fast foods more over DC. I, like DC goes out of their way to make sure they have those close to knockoff brands. Yeah. Because their whole career, like, like, Oh, it's not Oreos. They're Chacos and it's not eBay. It's, you know, prepay or whatever. So I think DC's really afraid of like any of them. So I think I'm, I'm putting my money on Marvel. Well, so, and this is why I put my money on DC for this is because as mentioned, DC already has the, trick you ads with the snickers mm-hmm. so they've already got their foot in with the mars corporation <laughs> they've already done not one not two but three you made the case for me they have three promotional tie-in comic books with kentucky fried chicken and again they're not selling them they're promotional items given away at conventions mostly digital whatever but like they've already they're already dabbling with that right right orville ain't so much dabbling with that there's no two-page thing that's trying to trick you. That being said, if Marvel's going to do anything, they need to go back to the hostess pies. That's a fair. That's a fair point. But what I'm I'm not talking about like little ads in a comic. No, neither like, am I. Like, but you get what I'm saying. I'm talking about at some point that you know how like when you watch a movie and the and the and the protagonist is drinking a coke. We're gonna get to that point. In, in comics where it's going to be like Logan, like we have to go out and, and he's just sitting there with the can with the logo front and center and kind of a deal. That's, that's coming. And then they'll get paid and it'll help, you know, do the comics, you know, promote the comics, whatever. It's like putting, putting an ad in, in a, in a movie or a TV show. If, if you get what I mean. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, I think it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I think DC will be the first ones to do it. All right. 
Okay, so speaking of all this, we're talking about people selling out. And again, I don't want to say that we're selling out, right? <laughs> but the hottest thing in collectibles, whether it be comics or otherwise, is getting your stuff graded. Mm-hmm. And obviously CGC is the big one. Uh, but recently it's been brought to my attention that more and more people are attempting to go to PGX, right? Yeah. Uh, PGX, because they're on the climb. They're the number two. They under, they're the number three. Who's number two? I forget. CBS. St- well, I don't know what it is. It's There's a, there's a middle one. Uh, I can't think of uh, what it is off the top yeah, of my head. Yeah, it's like CGSA or something. Right. So they're going for PGX because PGX is number three, right? Right. If you're looking at this as like ABC, CBS, and NBC. <laughs> uh, we attempted to reach out to PGX many moons ago, and they rebuffed our offers. Mm-hmm. So we're going to the UPN and the WB of grading. Right. And we're going to make an on-air decision here uh, in the grading on you segment. So Todd and I were discussing this earlier today, and he said, I don't think there's anyone else besides these three. And I'm like, oh, no, Todd, I found three more. Okay. Right. So the first one that I found here, Todd, is Midwest Comic Grading. Right. As you see their uh, website here as we're looking at this together. Uh, They grade comic books, but that's not the only thing that they do. They offer affordable options. Three forms of comic book grading plus appraisal and a uh, brokerage service. Uh, They're called MCG, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, We desire to offer comic book lovers, collectors, buyers, and sellers options to just hard shell grading. We feel the companies that offer that form of encapsulation do a good job. But many people own newer, higher-grade comics that they may want to get them graded, but don't want to pay a higher price to have them placed inside an acrylic holder. Also, ever since grading became popular, many have wished that they could get professional grading done here in the Midwest, which we're not in, and not have to ship their books across the country. All professional grading, whether it be grading coins, currency, comics, are charged with placing your items under a microscope, underlined, mm-hmm. to determine their colli- their condition and therefore value. Right. Uh, this is the one that was started by uh, Dr. Holcomb, uh, whoever he is, like we're supposed to know who he is. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll grade the books for you, right? Right. Then well, the I next tr- one that I found... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I trust the guy in a lab coat, though, so... So, unless the, only if he's telling me that cigarettes are healthy. That is true. So, this next one is called Halo Certification. It's a company based out of Australia, oh. but they do have an authorized dealer in Florida. That's the home of, of comic, you know, grading, I think. That's right. And as you can see, they're very highly professional website here. <laughs> right. Okay. Now, the next one, Todd... EGS, Expert Grading Services. Ooh, I like their symbol. Mm-hmm. They got a nice symbol. says no membership fee, fast turnaround times, 99% UV protected slab, and you get custom colored labels. Ooh. Now, I'll say this. I look at 
MCG, right? Mm-hmm. And I see they got a Facebook page and they got an email address. Right. I look at Halo, and it looks like they ain't got nothing. Right. Uh, they got an email address. Okay. I look at expert grading systems, and they got a Facebook, they got a Twitter, they got an Instagram, they got an email, they got a YouTube channel. Wow. I say we put our money and our whatever's behind uh, EGS. The EGS opportunity, yes. Yes. So hopefully you didn't see me scroll by that quickly. No. Do I have it here? Yes. Okay. So I have my copy and paste gimmick. <laughs> right. I'm going to throw that into an email. Right. And I'm going to email the good people at EGS. Oh. Right here on the air, if this thing works. Email. And just so you know, the second number, uh, this the second tier comic uh, grading thing was CBCS. I never remember that. Gotcha. Let me grab this, throw it in that body, and again, I do clean it up a little bit here. Right, right. Uh, uh yes. Take out all mentions to PGX. Media partnership. Mm. Let me just give this a real quick co-host of a podcast, blah, blah, blah. We talk about the things. Here's our website. Here's the unique hits. I mentioned the YouTube reviews. I mentioned all the different things that were on. Oh, you know, I should clean that up, too. Yeah. By the way, I'm having my Pepsi tattoo covered up with an EGS tattoo. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Oh, lots of lots so of Joe doing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna save this and make the corrections later, and then right. I have the links. It's like, oh, here's when we had famous people on the podcast, right? Um, soon to be named network. I need to, you know, maybe take some shows out that don't exist anymore what? and add some shows in that do exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then who we have our digital things, and just to see if we can get some sort of uh. Agreement working with the good people at EGS. Yep. And uh, maybe, perhaps, uh, you know, we na- we may not be toy boys, but we might become uh, slab pals. Yes. What would it be? I guess so. Okay. We got to think of a name for what we would be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So expect an email, Mr. EGS. Yes. Hope this email finds you well, EGS. <laughs> So, uh, conventions this weekend. Uh, The world has opened back up, and there are conventions happening. Uh, Like I said, the convention segment is going to be like it used to be in the past, where we would like, here's 15 conventions happening this weekend. One, because, uh, you know, there are a lot of conventions, but we're just going to kind of focus on one that jumps out at us, right? Mm -hmm. And this weekend in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, they are having the Mississippi Comic Con and uh, it's the media guest list that really jumps out to me. They got a lot of voice acting folks here. Uh, they have the gentleman who played uh, <laughs> Bib Fortuna in The Mandalorian. Spoilers, everyone. They uh, have the guy who played Chun in Deadwood. Oh, I want to go see him. Oh, okay. I don't know who that is. Kareen Young there, right there. Did the voice. You just passed it off. But anyway. Oh, okay. Yep. Oh, he's the voice of Storm Shadow in the G.I. Joe as well. Yep, 
Yeah, but uh, he has a few choice lines from Deadwood that I can't do right here. Oh, you can't? Yeah. Oh, uh, you got cosplay folks. Uh, John Beatty is going to be there. Uh, but on the media guest side, Billy D. Williams is going to be there. Lando Calrissian himself. I wonder if he's able to do interviews now at Comic-Cons, Joe. I wonder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, also, former uh, World Wrestling Entertainment Champion. And uh, definitely nice guy, uh, John Bradshaw Layfield, a.k.a. Jibbles, will be there. Right, the ticket flicker. That's right. Hope they give him a ticket to flip. And in a Saturday-only appearance, uh, the icon himself, the Kabuki Crow, the Stinger. I'm actually, I'm not on camera, but I'm wearing a Sting t-shirt as we record this. Oh, I love the police. (laughs) No, not that Sting. Now, does he sign cut-up pieces of bat? No, he should, though. I think he should. But, uh, you know, he'll be there in the full Kabuki Crow makeup. I would only get a Mark picture of him if he was done up like the old-school surfer sting. That's my sting. Oh, that is that is the young boy sting, you know, right there. If he was wearing the orange and blue Sergeant Pepper jacket. Oh, what if he did? what if he did a photo op every hour as the different stings? I apparently, well, I was going to say, apparently Sting doesn't like making money, but Sting likes making money. <laughs> right. I'm Surfer Sting. Did I I'm, tell you his deal off air? No, I don't. I think you did. I think uh, something about the con prices or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of know that, yes. Okay. So like I said, so how much money must Sting be making that he's not doing the uh, multiple face paint opportunity? Because what does he have? Right there, he's got six, right? Minimum six. Right? So, okay, if you don't do them every hour, but you have a three-day con and you do three once a day? Yeah. There's your there's your sweet spot, Joe. But he's only there on one day. Oh, oh, well, yeah, that's a lot of work, though. That's, that's his rib, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, that's in the rider. That's in the sting rider. Oh, boy. You don't even know. <laughs> But uh, as we talk about a convention happening this weekend, I would be remiss not to mention four months to the day. It's official. It's happening. Baltimore Comic-Con returns. Their website says it's America's greatest comic book convention. And I'd be hard-pressed to disagree with that statement. The last holdout, the last true outlaw, the last big convention that's not been sucked up by some other corporation or some conglomerate or mm-hmm. some sort of other group of whatever's, right? Mm-hmm. Baltimore has always been our favorite convention to go to, and it's four months away. Yep. Start planning now. Start the countdown, right? Right. And like I said, we're four months away, and they've already got like a killer guest list, uh, you know, right off the rip, you know, as they have things in alphabetical order, which I greatly appreciate. Oh, I love that. I don't care if it's first name or last name. I'll take it every time. <laughs> but I, I want to mention the one that that uh, that worked you, which was when the announcement came out that Brian, v- Brian K. Vaughn is back. <sighs> and you thought it was the- it's coming back to Saga. It's like, no, he's just going to be at Baltimore Comic Con. But would I bring the copy of uh saga trade that you're gonna have to buy for me when inferior five doesn't come out and have it signed by brian k vaughn when i get a mark picture of me doing the worker fist 
in the okay. picture with Brian K. Vaughn? Absolutely. And I say this, when I win, I'm going to get Brian K. Vaughn to sign my inferior five trade. <laughs> We're going to take that right to uh, that our new sponsor <laughs> and have it graded, Joe. Oh, uh, you see, you're, you're, I'm playing checkers, you're playing chess. I get you. <laughs> That's right. I get you. All right. Uh, so anytime these conventions hit our purview, we'll, of course, mention them. They'll be in the show notes and everything else like that. Uh, also in the show notes is soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, all the shows in the network. Uh, anytime they come out, you could find them there. Uh, if you're having a problem with your podcatcher of court of choice, and I'll almost guarantee you, you're probably having a problem with your podcatcher of choice. Nothing beats a text file of RSS feeds. The only thing that tops that is soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Whether it be this show, whether it be After Dark, whether it be Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, or Wings on Wings, anytime any of these shows go live, you could find them there. Anytime the folks from those shows appear on other shows, you could also find them at soon-to-be-named-network.com. You could also check out some of our very successful friends who are working very hard in various and many degrees of pop culture tood. Uh, our friend Kevin, who writes over at Mass Library, where he reviews uh, much uh, more indie books than we do. He does a lot of video stuff uh, about some of the finds that he gets at thrift stores and so forth. He's uh, maybe not doing as much right now because his entire house is being remodeled. They told mm-hmm. him it'd be a week job, and I think we're two months into that week. Oh, that's my next project, Gut in the House. But anyway... I'm I'm busy that month. Okay. Uh, Rick Williams over the Chop Shop, the cool uh, resin and glow-in-the-dark figures of sci-fi fantasy wrestling stuff that he does. Uh, Jason Sandberg and Chris Runt, both respectively. Their comics that they self-published, Jupiter and Battle Monsters, are available digitally at Comixology. The links to those are available there. Uh, our friend Becky does a lot of original art. I've been seeing the process of her... Uh, Dealing with the slickness of the sketch covers of some of those Marvel X-Men books that have been coming out. And my heart breaks for her. A lot of work. Yes. Down the drain. But anyway. That's a bummer. But again, that's the the chance you take as being an artiste. Mm -hmm. And of course, our comic book shop, Comics on the Green, where Todd and I go every week to pick up our books in person. And it feels good to do so. Uh, If you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, Dave and the crew at Comics on the Green do a bang-up, brisk, mail-order, subscription, pull-list doohickey. I highly recommend it. Check them out. They're most active on their Facebook page. That's the link that's in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Go check them out. Get those books. Get them sent to you. Get them handled by Dave and the crew, and maybe you might even get a fun sketch on them from Becky. Yep. Now, something that you can't get a sketch on, unfortunately, but it might be a little bit more in your budget, that would be the digital sales that are currently going on over at Comixology, not a sponsor. Uh, some of the holdovers from the last couple of weeks are still here. Uh, those Valiant Deluxe Editions, Top Cow stuff, uh, Vampirella, Horror, Pride Month stuff, Horror stuff. All sorts of things like that. Some of the newer sales that are going on. 
Uh, Marvel having sales on Ultimate X-Men and Secret Invasion stuff. Uh, DC having what they're calling a start of the summer sale, which is just, you know, their typical graphic novel sale that they have every month or so, just with a different name on it. Uh, IDW is having two new sales here, one on Sonic the Hedgehog. Apparently today is the 30th anniversary of the Sonic game coming out. Ooh. If you want to feel old, I do already. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're also having a sale on Usagi Ujimbo stuff. Apparently there was some Usagi Ujimbo book that came out recently that's hot because it was under-ordered or something. I believe so, yes. I saw Mike Sterling talking about that the other day. Yes. Uh, again, I between me and you, I thought Usagi Ujimbo was still published by Dark Horse. So what do I know? Well, all I know is it's a Netflix cartoon. I think that's all I know. Oh, is that what did it? Yeah, it came back for a Netflix show, I'm pretty sure. Todd, there's too much comic book-related stuff for me to keep track of. Do you remember when we were starving for it, Joe? Now we can't keep up with it. It's like the fries you get at Five Guys, where they put the cup in the bag, and, and then they just, just fill the, the fries around the cup. Yep. Like, you wanted a small fry, there you go. It's like, no, these are too many fries. Well, yeah, why do they say cup of fries when it's really a cup, a bag, in a bag full of fries? Yeah. I don't know. More fast food talk, but anyway. Yeah, and uh, Neil Gaiman stuff is on sale at Dark Horse, speaking of Dark Horse. Like I said, all the links to all these sales, if you are a digital comics person, and if I look at our Amazon click-throughs the last couple of weeks, I think there are some of you that are, and I greatly appreciate it. That being said, let's get into what we read this past week, uh, starting with the book that we both read, which was Venom number 35, a.k.a. Venom 200. Um, basically uh, written by Donnie Cates, a host of artists from Ryan Stagman, Mark Bagley, Ron Lim. There's, you know, everybody's on this book. Uh, oversized, $9.99, basically after the fallout of defeating Null. <clears throat> This basically gives you uh, how Eddie Brock is connected to the hive mind of the symbiotes now and how he's watching over everything and how he believes that while, you know, they've beaten Null, that the war isn't over yet because the maker, the evil Reed Richards from the Ultimate Universe, is still out there. And, you know, through Donnie Cates' run, uh, you know, he escapes. So, like, there's still the, the, the possibility of him doing some bad things. So that's him. And then... Uh, after that, it's like Dylan's life as, you know, the kid after the thing, how he's being, you know, bullied in school and he has a side story. Um, I really, I, I like this story. Um, I don't, I didn't love the story because I felt it was a long, like they could have trimmed this story down as far as I was concerned. Um, but I just feel like for somebody who's leaving a book, a la Donny Cates, I feel like his Venom story isn't over and we're going to get way, way more of it, if that makes any sense. So I did not, uh, okay, so I knew this was going to be a big book. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't know that this was going to essentially be a graphic novel. Yep, $9.99. <laughs> um, also, I knew there was a lot of plot threads that were out there from Donnie Cates' run on Venom. Mm -hmm. I did not realize there were so many of them. Yes, I even forgot to mention Flash Thompson, but anyway. Right, so we get the Flash Thompson stuff, which feels like it's going to be its own... Like, so, uh, so Flash ends up in the Avengers, right? Mm -hmm. So whether Flash ends up being in the Avengers just as a permanent thing, 
or Flash gets his own separate book as Agent Venom or whatever he's going to be called, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we have set up the two new status quos for the book, and I guess spoilers, I don't know, right? Um, so, uh, Eddie is now like the, as you mentioned, the, 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 the hive mind who controls all the symbiotes, can be anywhere at any time. And like, I like the bit where he's like, he's out to lunch with Spider-Man and he's meeting with the Avengers and everything else like that. Right. Right. He's doing his, uh, diplomatic stuff with like the space folks and all that other stuff. But there's one symbiote that he just doesn't have a connection to that he has to all the other symbiotes. And that's the original symbiote. And that's the symbiote that's kind of attached itself. And again, I want to say bonded. I want to say attached himself. I want to say whatever to Dylan. Right. And we get the bit there without giving too, too much away that Eddie is going to be whatever the hive mind is. And Dylan is going to be the new Venom. Right. I'm okay with all of this. I feel as though this is... This is the end of what Don, I know you said that it feels as though Donnie Cates has more to tell, but I don't think Donnie Cates has more to tell for now. I think he's setting the table with this new status quo, which is a lot of times what people will do coming off a big run. And this is a very new status quo for our main characters, but it's still keeping Eddie as the main character, but like making the kid the new Venom. I agree, but here's my thing is when he left Thanos. He and he then what he uh, Donnie Cates and he went over to to Venom here right and like all the other books that he's jumped onto he always takes something with it and then like he had that mini where Null got into Silver Surfer and then that showed up in Thor remember I think we're gonna see all this and Hive Mind Eddie end up ending up in Thor and Dylan ending up in Thor or even if uh, Donnie Cates leaves uh. Uh, Thor, maybe he gets Spider-Man and all this stuff just rolls right into it. I don't know. I do. I know there's going to be a different Venom writer, but I just feel like all Donny Cates' stuff rolls back into Donny Cates' stuff. Now, the other way. thing is, while I do feel as though this is a big sweeping change, mm-hmm. I don't feel as though this can be... I, I don't feel the. I don't feel as though they can't undo this. Oh, no, it's super simple, I think. I don't know how, but I think they do. It's not, you know, like, obviously, it's like, and nothing will be the same. Right. You know, obviously, everybody goes back to whatever it is, but it's just so crazy to think that Venom, who started out as the alien costume for Spider-Man, can carry, like, such gravitas as a character in the comic book world. Right, like, he's almost a cosmic-powered Venom now. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. Right, which I think, but I I honestly think at some point, I'm not going to say it's going to be next year or the year after, I do believe they're just going to wipe the slate clean, and it'll be like, there's like five, like something happened, and there's like five symbiotes left. It's Venom, Carnage, and like, you know, a couple of them that fall out of the, the, you know, the whatever over the years, but that's what they'll do when they get bored with this and somebody wants to clean it up, you know? Yeah, exactly. I could see there being some sort of like world event Mm -hmm. that happens and Eddie loses his connection to all those other symbiotes because all the other symbiotes are now dead, you know? Yes, yes. Something like that. Now The maker uh, destroys them or whatever. It's something. Yeah. 
And I know we had talked. It's like, well, it doesn't. It feels like it's more than two hundred. But they did a gimmick in the in this issue where they showed like all two hundred covers of Venom. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the time or the patience to go through to make sure their math is correct. Right. Um. But I did see sign of the boss in there, so I'm okay with that. That's all you need then. That's- see, all I would do is just count over how many boxes and how many down, and then that's your number. No, no, but what I'm saying is, how do you know they didn't miss some? I told you, they they put what... They, it's like, as long as sign of the boss is there, that's all that matters. I'm with you. But they could just go, oh, like, we forgot a few. It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? I, I, there's there's some, you know, creative accounting going on at Marvel and their legacy <laughs> numbers. So. I wish I had more. I I really wish I had more time on my hands to really give it to them on this one. You know what? Someday when we when I win the lottery because you don't play. <laughs> All right. So the other book that we read from this past week was Nightwing number eighty one, uh, written by Tom Taylor. We mentioned up at the front of the show, uh, with his big Marvel event coming up in September, with art by Bruno Redondo. The two had worked together on the previous Suicide Squad book at DC. Uh so. Uh, Dick comes face to face with Heartless, who has been stealing the hearts of homeless people around Bloodhaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, Heartless, sets up a in ingenious death trap that would only work on Dick Grayson, I think. Right. Uh, we get a cute nod to some of the previous creators, writers, etc. on the Nightwing book. Mm-hmm. And we get a the thing that I love so much about this Nightwing run and Nightwing in general is so much of this book is like, hey, man, you have a concussion. You need to stop. You need to take a break. There's other people out here who can handle this for you. And Dick just having that drive that he needs to go forward. And in the issue, they're like writing how the concussion is actually affecting him and throwing him off his game a little bit. Right. And I'm just like, you don't see that in superhero books, right? No. Because even Batman, who doesn't have any superpowers, it's like, well, I've just been cut in half and my organs are hanging out, but I'm Batman, so I can just keep doing what I'm doing, right? Right. Dick Grayson ain't Batman. Dick Grayson is almost like a regular person. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I know we mentioned it on here that he's the closest to, like, a Spider-Man or a Daredevil-type character at DC, but there's just another great issue, I think, that really hammers that fact home. And there's a big twist at the end of the issue that I'm absolutely not going to spoil here. Me either. Um, I do like the fact that we get a name for the dog. Two <laughs> names, by the way. So <laughs> so when he puts on his mask, no one will know that he's Haley, um, Dick Grayson's dog. But by night, he's Bitewing Nightwing's dog. <laughs> so I'm fine with that. The one thing that I do want to say is, because it's an excellent nod... Um, I think there are too many similarities, but I love the book anyway. I, I, I just one of those toddler nitpicks is this is almost the DC version of the Hawkeye book that we had. Okay. Okay. Cause right off the rip, we have, as you say, we have a three legged dog, right? Wasn't that in Hawkeye pizza dog? Uh, I don't think he was three legged, but I think he was like differently abled or something. Right. I think he had like one eye or whatever. 
um, whatever. But then there's later on where Dick Grayson is breaking into the uh, house that he's, or the apartment that he's going to, and they show him with the nightstick up against the window, and then they have the arrows. Do you remember when they would do that in Nightwing? Like the little, like various things where they put like a Hawkeye face over a certain part of his anatomy if he was naked. Um, I feel like Bruno Redondo's doing a lot of the stuff that we loved in those Hawkeye books. And it's just weird seeing, you know, the differently abled dog and the the way stuff is drawing. And I'm like, it's uh, just Nightwing. I can't get night. Uh, I can't get Hawkeye out of my mind. I don't know if you see any of that or know what I'm talking about. I do. Um, that being said, um, as you would say, uh, copy an A, get an A. Exactly. I said, I like it, but it just makes me think that. Mm hmm. So once again, been loving Nightwing, Tom Taylor guy all the way. And Bruno Redondo. Oh my God. They, they, one of my favorite artists out there right now. Uh, his stuff is great. And the only issue or concern or otherwise that I have is uh, if that uh, Dark Days turn out the, like Spider-Man Turn Off the Darkness book <laughs> that Tom Taylor's doing over at Marvel... Mm-hmm. is successful then that means he would have to leave this right what if he does get spider-man joe is he gonna keep nightwing or take spider-man oh boy can't you i think tom taylor is young enough in his comic book career that he could probably do both yeah but those big companies don't like crossover talent anymore that's true i don't know i'd stick with nightwing but i don't know let, let me see what the check for spider-man looks like Oh, that's a picture of Spider-Man on it. Well, who, <laughs> the DC che- the DC checks, no matter who you write, has a picture of Batman on it. Yeah. I assume whoever you write at Marvel, they cut you a custom check for whatever book you're writing. It's like, oh, I have New Warriors checks that my money came in on this month. I know. I like to think DC cuts you an inferior five check. <sighs> that book would have to exist for them to have money to pull that from or a john Cena check oh there you go the breakout star of the hit film suicide squad part not part two so uh i just want to mention this we talk about people with the books um being able to keep a schedule and stuff uh this kind of i meant to mention this when we talk about the donny cates thing um so venom the last his last issue of venom here was late Thor is late. Are you aware how late Thor is? Yep. Thor's like three months late. Yep. Uh, I don't know. I, nothing like I follow Donny Cates on social media. I haven't seen anything come up, but I I hope he's okay. I do too. Because he's right. Yes. He's writing two big books at Marvel, and both those two big books were and are late. Right, and he's even got Chip Sadarsky like ghostwriting crossover for him uh-huh. for an issue. So we'll have to see. Yeah, I hope everything's okay. I agree. Uh, so that's uh, that's what we read this past week. Uh, let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your store, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what books are coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead with one correct guess over Todd. 
let's see how things go from here. Mm-hmm. Looking over your slender read of a list this week, Joe. Feels good. Feels good. Yep. And is the book you're looking forward to most? Gamma Flight number one. I'm going to show you this. Right. I have to be honest now. Look. I can't see. Let me put my glasses on. Okay. It is not Gamma Flight. It is Heroes Return, number Heroes one. Heroes Return. Um, so they, Marvel, Jason Aaron, spoiled the big hook uh, on one of the variant covers of issue one of Heroes Reborn. Mm-hmm. Um, that the person behind everything that's going on is Mephisto. <gasps> but Mephisto has yet to appear in the book. I think this is the issue where Mephisto is going to appear in the book. Okay. Um, like all the money on it, instead of in God we trust, it's in Mephisto we trust. <gasps> Sacrilege. All the church iconography in the uh, in the book is all Mephisto based. Mm-hmm. And no one like, you know, that's just how it is in this world, in this alternate reality or whatever it is. And then, you know, we've had the story of Blade assembling the Avengers. And the last issue is when the Squadron Supreme figure out what's going on um, and try to find Captain America and realize that he's been freed from the ice. And here we are, Blade has re-put the Avengers back together. And this issue is the big battle between all of them. So I'm excited for the culmination of this storyline. Enough filibustering by me. Looking at your list, I'm going to say the book that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Fantastic Four Life Story number two. It is not. No movement. Oh, baby. Infinite Frontier number one. What is that? That is uh, like when we started this new uh, run of books, like, you know, that we had the, what was the last one? New 52. And then there was Rebirth. Um, The Zero issue, which like kicked off uh, the the Batman run and the Suicide Squad run recently. Uh, It was Infinite Frontier Zero. Well, this is the rest of the miniseries. Hmm. I say kudos to you for kind of hanging in there with whatever DC's doing with their event stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of out of it, and I've Fair. been out of it for a while. Fair enough. I ended up, like I said, I read the Zero, and the Zero had, like, the attack on uh, the attack on Arkham. Yeah. That's where it all took place. And I've loved it in Suicide Squad, which is like the stealth book that I really love that I should talk about more. But then we have everything that fell out of it for the Joker and everything like that. So I'm like, okay, like you got me with that zero. So I'm giving you I'm giving you a few on Infinite Frontier, the rest of the mini, and see where it does. So anyway. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done together. Whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or uh, Todd and Joe Have Issues, where we are reading through the mid to late 2000s run on Jonah Hex by Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray, which I just got my Kickstarter reward book uh, for Sex and Violence in over the weekend. Good. And I didn't get a chance to even open it yet because I was yard sailing. Go listen to that on After Dark this week. Mm Mm-hmm. And we're also uh, talking about the Spider-Clone saga. And Todd, I'm excited to hear you talk about how much you enjoyed these issues of the Spider-Clone saga. Oh, I love them so far. Um, Because watch this on Jonah Hex this time. Right. Uh, Guest artist by Darwin Cook. Darwin Cook, we miss you. 
Um, obviously, this takes place in the snow. Um, this is one of those stories being told from a third party sort of person who kind of comes into the sphere of the living tornado, not Dolomite Rudy Ray Moore, the human tornado, but the living tornado that is Jonah Hex, where anything that can bad happen to him does happen bad to him. Does a lawman double cross Jonah Hex in this issue? Absolutely. Does Jonah Hex get put in some sort of death trap and they just walk away and of course he gets himself out? Absolutely. But the fact that our um, narrator character, our uh, protagonist, is by his own admission a mute writer. Um, I didn't love this one that much. Right. It had all the usual Jonah pieces in there that I love so much. Mm-hmm. But because it was being told from a third party, you know, outside whatever, who, no offense, I didn't really care for that much. Right. Um, this one just didn't hit for me. It looked beautiful. Um, you know, and the Jonah bits were awesome, but I didn't like our narrator. Was it too flowery for like a Jonah Hex book? Like, cause yes, he's a writer. Absolutely. Okay. See, I, I, I get what you're saying. Cause there is a lot of descriptive in this. Um, but like, once again, it looks really nice. There's a, as you're flashing through, as I'm watching it, there are a lot of pages that I want. And when Jonah goes to get his revenge, the uh the death in the snow really stands out because of like the reds and like because there's not a lot of color in this book a lot of grays and whites but then when you get like the murders it's just like all blood and i'm like that really stands out and then in the end the kid's like you know what he taught me the most important thing and that's how to like you know keep myself safe so um, how to deal with wolves yep i enjoyed it it's not my favorite issue either um I'm not going to say too much that there's another issue with Darwin Cook that he does that's a million times better. And it's one of them that I actually have a question before we go on to uh, the clone stuff. How how deep do you go into the books to get the uh, to get the stuff for the post uh, before you, you post it? You know what I mean? OK, so for Jonah, my thing is I want to do something that does not give away any major plot points Mm -hmm. and if it's a new artist i so a new artist on the book i try to get as close to a full face shot of jonah Mm -hmm. because i like to see how each artist interprets jonah's disfigurements i know that i know you like to see how they do the scar and stuff when we get an artist if it's an artist that we've done before Mm -hmm. i'll look for something goofy and right. by that I mean, like last time with Jordy Bernay, there was the gimmick with the bear fighting the bull. Right. I'm like, that's the thing I'm pitching. Uh, time before that, there was like a big giant like sound effect thing, mm-hmm. which you don't really see that often in a Jonah Hex book like that. So I'm like, that doesn't. It's not like it's out of place, but it's just so unique and different to see in a Jonah Hex book. I'm using that. I gotcha. Um, my take on it is because I mean we're what like 16 issues to 50 which is what he does um that may be one of them that i I may have to really warn you don't go too deep into or (laughs) let me pick something goofy for you you know what i mean because there's a few that it's like i don't even want this there a hint of this being spoiled if that makes any sense yeah 50 i love so 
But that made me think because we're on the Darwin Cook uh, issue and uh, we have a second one coming. He does a couple covers, I think, because him and him and Jimmy were close, man. Yeah, I remember, man. And again, we mentioned it earlier, but them at Baltimore, man, you could tell the friendship, the kinship like that whole crew had, you know? Right. And every year, like on the anniversary of it, it's like he goes in and I mean, I get it in a spiral, you know what I mean? But, but trying to stay positive and, uh, you know, put stuff out about him, but man, him and Darwin were so close. Um, but anyway, uh, we'll get on to the, to the good stuff now, if you will, which is the trial of Peter Parker, part three of four and, uh, just plain Spider-Man issue 60, uh-huh. the face of Kane. So this starts out with that uh, from last issue knockout uh, has grabbed a hold of Kane when they reappeared from their Judas traveler appearance. Um, and basically she wants revenge for, you know, the death of Otto, uh, Dr. Octopus. And that's just basically a quick fight that I, that there's not much that I want to mention about it, but Kane basically like brings a building down on her. Um, and in the process, Spider-Man's like, oh, I got to save her. And Kane's like, no, 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 it's over. It's like, the only thing that matters is you, that you're safe. The fact that you're safe is all that matters to me. And Peter's like, nope, we got, you know, under this rubble, we got to save her. But she does that knockout disappearing act that uh, she does. So after the fight, like Spider-Man's like, I'm taking you to the courthouse. And you're going to, you're going to like uh, say that you did it. And you're going to get Ben, who's you know, in jail for my, for me, you're going to clear my name and everything's going to be good. And he's like, no, 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 even gassed. I could take you. Um, and Peter's like sucker punches him and ends up taking him to the courthouse and they get, he like Kane wakes up and they start fighting through, uh, you know, during the whole courthouse and the court is like, Oh, we got to fight outside. We got to hold the, we got to stop the proceedings and everything and basically like Kane goes in during the fight goes into this bit about uh how like you if you see me you would know like what it is and I I'd, I'd risk everything for you but not for Riley um and in the end he ends up taking off the mask and saying it's because I was the first clone but because <gasps> of yes I'm sorry did I spoil it um oh my know, goodness Todd did you see this coming no I couldn't have uh, yes, I did see it coming. I mean, I don't know if I would have, but I knew about it. But I think by this point, my, like in this book, my speculation is everybody is a clone at this point, and I'm gotcha. just waiting for the reveal. Um, but he has uh, the degeneration from the clone stuff, and he's mad at Riley because he's still living, and, and I, 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 that's basically what I'm getting. But. Uh, Peter ends up knocking him into the courtroom and says like, all right, if you're not going to clear my name, I'm going to clear my name and I'm going to go in there and I'm going to take my mask off and, you know, and do it. And MJ's like, what? And Ben's like, are you insane? And uh, Kane goes, no, no, enough. It was me. And he ends up like giving this, this thing that I've changed my fingerprints to look like him in here. There is a cool scene where he's going to get the prosecutor and it looks like he's going to give him the mark of cane on his face, but he ends up putting it on the table and he's like, here's your evidence. Um, you, you know, uh, 
you know, kind of look that up and it'll be fine. Um, now that I've cle- cleared Peter Parker, it's time for him to die because he lunges at Ben, who's, you know, at, in court as Peter because he hates Ben Riley. And to be continued in Spectacular Spider-Man 226. Did I miss anything, Joe? No, I think that's it. Um, obviously, Kane being a big reveal as the original clone. Obviously, you knew anyone, any male figure in this book is a clone, right? Mm-hmm. Or could be a clone, or has the potential to be a clone. Right. Um. So Kane being revealed to be a Parker clone, not as much as a surprise as one would think, but obviously I think we've kind of been hammered at home, like, I wonder what it could be, I wonder what it could be, I wonder what it could be. Um, and of course, Peter saying, like, well, if you're not going to do the right thing, you've worked your whole life allegedly to protect me, well, I'm going to sacrifice everything that I have to save Ben. Right. Um, so we go into, and I, we go into the next issue, which is the spectacular Spider-Man 226. At last, the one true Spider-Man revealed, Joe. Um, I like the name of the issue too, the final verdict. So, uh-huh. uh, so yeah. So basically, you know, at, at, since we left, he's going to try and kill Ben Riley. They end up having a, a fight. Uh, once again, they're just, just, just a cane Spider-Man fighting. Ben's like, there's nothing I can do without giving it away. Um, somehow everybody gets to, all the guns get trained on Kane. So he has to give up and he's like, um, I'm just going to, there's nothing I can do. Uh, I'll escape later at my leisure. Um, and detective, what about me? What about Raven is happy that, you know, that he's, that he's captured because of the evidence. Peter is, you know, is exonerated and he leaves. And I like, uh, that, uh, J Jonah Jameson is like, uh, now he's all ready to start running the headlines and stuff like that. And he even gives a hoo-ha at the end. So that's good. Uh, now this part I get, conf- this is where, you know what? I'm just going to say last issue and this issue weren't ter- like terrible, terrible because they they weren't recapping everything and everything wasn't, you know, going crazy. And even though they revealed Kane as a clone, um, that, at least seemed like if they just had Ben Kane and Peter, I would have been okay. But now we're back to uh, the Jackal and uh, this, this other version of Peter who's like, no, I'm the real like Peter. So like we have to get back at him. but Jackal's busy with the carrion virus. I think I always forget the name of it. So he's like, and then we'll get a good old fashioned family reunion when I'm on that. Um, detective, what about me? What about Raven gets the confession from Kane that he killed his partner. Um, this is, this is one of those moments that I actually like a little bit because, uh, the detectives like, you know, I, I, I waited my like five years for this and Kane's just in an interrogation room. He's like, yeah, it happened in Salt Lake, Salt Lake city. And I killed her. I confess. And he's like all this for, I killed her. Like everything I went through my face, my, like, I'm like, I like detective Raven and his story. Um, once again, the problem is it gets bogged down in all the garbage that is the clone saga. Um, while this is going on, I like the fact that Ben goes home with MJ because they have to keep up appearances and they're like, you know, playing lovey dovey till Peter comes in. Um, and then, uh, trainer is like, gives him a call and is like, I gotta come over cause I have information. Um, 
I'm looking to see here because as I'm going, uh, Kane's still having the visions that uh, I was hoping his storyline was wrapped up, but he's still having visions that MJ gets murdered. So trainer shows up and says that the baby's going to be fine, but I see where the problem is because um, Peter's the father and it was caused by a genetic drift because he wasn't, you know, he didn't have good genes or whatever because he's actually the clone and Ben's the real one. And oh my God, this reveal. So Peter loses his mind. He ends up fighting with Ben because he's telling MJ like this trainers involved with, with Ben, Ben, this is all a ruse by them to take over my life. Uh, they end up uh, uh, going, all right, well, we could just check. You're a smart guy. So Peter looks over the stuff and he's like, you know, that's it. And he's like, this still has to be a trick. In the fight, he Hank Pims MJ and accidentally hits her. So now he's the bad guy. And um, it's just it just all around crazy. And then in the end, uh, he runs out and Jackal's like, oh, new carrying virus, but I need something from you. It's time for uh, this clone to dress up as Spider-Man and go get something for me. It's just getting crazier now, Joe. Um, I, if they had stuck to the ending or whatever, I wouldn't be bad, but I know we're going to flip flop this a thousand times more. Didn't hate this issue because it wasn't bogged down in explanation of the past, you know, 20, 30 issues, um, had some cool stuff, but I just know where we're going and it's not going to get any better. So that's my review of this book. So we're going to work backwards. Of course, we get the bit with Jackal, uh, giving that other spider clone, uh, a costume, a Spider-Man-esque costume. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't like, I was like 99% sure that this was the freak face guy mm-hmm. that Scryer saved and brought back to the Jackal and that costume, seeing it there, I'm like, yep, it is. And uh, wait, and I think we're still like two weeks away, three weeks away from getting the reveal of his name. Mm-hmm. And Todd, if you think freak face was good. So uh, so you're telling me Pod Peter's still the best name? Uh, it's almost as good as that. So this is technically where we were all supposed to be building up with this, right? Mm-hmm. That we get the big reveal that Peter that we've been reading in the book since 1975 has been the clone. And then Ben, who just showed up uh, months ago, is actually the real Peter Parker, non-clone, okay? And obviously... They padded some stuff out to get here because the book was selling so well. And as Todd mentioned, uh, we know that it does not stick. We know that it goes back. But at this point, it's the how. How does it go back? How did this happen where Trainer has the information? He runs the tests. It comes up that the Peter we've known is the clone. And he says, okay, Peter and Ben, you run the tests yourselves and you'll see that I'm right. And they do run the tests and they come up with the same conclusions. And Peter doesn't believe them, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that I hate the most about this issue is Peter backhanding Mary Jane. Yep, you can't come back from that. You can't come back from that. And they were at this point, I think, still in that we're going to go forward with this. Like, even though we've stretched this out, Mm-hmm. Because it's been se- selling so well that we moved this particular goalpost back. We're still going to go forward. We're going to have Ben be the new Spider-Man. And we're going to write Peter, this character that we've 
given all of this horrible baggage to. But they do end up course correcting this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's soon-ish. And I say soon-ish. I have to look over here. Bear with me a second. No, take your time. Well, let me ask you a question while you're looking something up. Because in my mind, I don't know, and I know you don't want to spoil stuff down the line, but do they ever, you know, acknowledge Peter backhanding her after this? Because that's that's something that Hank kind of did the same way, Hank Pym as Yellow Jacket, and that's hung around it like people will never let them forget it. But I'm thinking because it's Peter Parker, it's brushed under the rug. You know what I mean? I don't know. Um, not remembering or okay. They do. Um, so I'm trying so not to look at stuff. they they kind of end up sweeping it under under the rug in about three months, like book time. Okay. Um, which ends up being for us. As I'm looking at this here, four weeks. Uh, so there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, about eleven weeks. Whenever we talk about the the Clone Saga in weeks, I get sad. Yeah, that but no, uh, that spectacular. So see, if you're looking at my list here. You see Spectacular Spider-Man 229, and that goes into Sensational Spider-Man 0. Right. Um, again, we're far off into things, and we kind of know how things go, but uh, Spectacular 229 is where Peter and MJ leave the books. Mm-hmm. And then Sensational Spider-Man 0 is when Ben takes over as the one true Spider-Man. Right. Which was revealed in this issue. Yeah. So... <laughs> Um, so for next week, uh, obviously we just have the next issue of Jonah Hex, whatever the next issue of Jonah Hex is. 34, I believe. 34. Um, next week we have, uh, Spider-Man the Jackal Files, which is kind of like a secret file sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a quick, easy, breezy read, just kind of as a refresher to get us into the folks that we're going to be dealing with here in the upcoming Maximum Clonage. And we're going to read the first issue of the three-issue miniseries, Spider-Man The Lost Years. This Mm -hmm. is the Ben and Kane stuff, where Kane ends up killing uh, Detective What About Me, What About Raven's partner. Right. And we get to see Wild Whip, right? Oh, no Wild Whip. Oh. But we do get Kane with a cool beard. Oh. He looks super cool with his beard. I always thought Peter would look good with a beard. Well, you'll see Kane and he looks all right with a beard. Okay. So, uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out uh, our store where you could buy shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, you could also get more stuff with more fancy logos inspired by this show, inspired by After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, uh, at odds with wrestling if you head over to our T Public store, uh, tinyurl.com slash logboxheroes. 
I think they're having a 35% off sale this weekend. Uh, sale for them starts, uh, as you're listening to this, up until uh, Saturday. So 35% off, uh, you want cell phone covers, you want throw pillows, you want decorative rugs with uh, our fancy logos on them. I say have at it. Yes. You could also sign up for our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You get two extra shows from Todd and I. One is Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. We're hot off the heels of June 1991 and July 1991, I think, is going to be a quiet month mm-hmm. as we get into the summer as the ripple effect of X-Men number one usually is going to... Back then, like uh, when a big comic would hit, it would usually take about a month or two for it really starting to affect the rest of the industry. Right. And uh, we just came off six never-seen movies where Todd and I ended up watching and having some fun with the uh, 70s sci-fi, maybe made for TV, maybe not, (laughs) uh, Jan Michael Vincent opus, uh, Damnation Alley. And at the $5, you get those two shows uh, two weeks before everyone else, as well as After Dark about three days before everyone else. Uh, So help us out there again. And I say help us out. You're giving us money. We're giving you extra content. If you like this show, you'll like more of what Todd and I do, talking about all sorts of related stuff. Right. Uh, Another way that you can help us out, of course, is heading over uh, to longboxheroes.com. And making any and all of your Amazon purchases through the Amazon banner at the top of the page over at longboxheroes.com, which I've said many, many times because we've got to make sure that that's where you get to. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the advertising fee. Uh, and when I get to say that over on Ad Oz with Wrestling, I get to say the actual quote because the actual quote has swears in it. Ooh. Uh, some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click through this past week include uh, somebody purchased an Amazon Basics uh, half inch thick, extra thick. I don't know how half an inch is extra thick, but what do I know? Uh, extra or exercise yoga mat. Uh, somebody also purchased a uh, 40 pack of Sunbelt Bakery chewy chocolate chip granola bars. Yum, yum. Those are good ones. Somebody also purchased an Errant brand, E-R-A-N-T, brand lacrosse bag backpack for your lacrosse sticks. Uh, somebody also purchased a DS Long brand hand crank premium grinder. I don't know why you're grinding your premium, but have at it. <laughs> uh, somebody also purchased a beauty-shaped pipe, very unique with a storage bag and a small box easy to carry and clean. Now, I actually had to do some research on this one because uh, there was a key word missing from the description of this, and I want to pull it up here for Todd so he could see okay. uh, the item. Give me a second, because I've brought my screen down. Which one am I looking at? This. Oh. I don't even know what I'm looking at. It's a pipe. I wonder what they use that for. I don't know, but I, I, I'm glad that you're using it in the way that it was intended. You're okay. seeing it in a variety of colors there. Right. That's all. Nice. But as you see there in the description over here, the word pipe is missing. Oh, That's okay. Pipe. Yes. Right. So it just That's says what beauty-shaped, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, what is that thing? And I had to 
Again, that's how unhip I am. Don't look at me. I'm a, I'm even less hip than you are. All right, and that's a that's a low bar to clear. Mm, but and I uh, of course, oh sorry, but I cleared it. And somebody also purchased uh, the digital edition, of course, because it was on sale. Volume eight of Immortal Hulk, the Keeper of the Door. Uh, I'm. Uh, you could thank us for that purchase because you're going to enjoy that because Immortal Hulk is one of the best books. Yep. Currently being published until we get to September and it runs its natural course. All right. Then what's going to take over? I wonder, Joe. I wonder. So, Todd, do we have uh, any art attacks this week? We do. We only have one from our good buddy, DJ. Um, he got this Annihilus piece from Tom Fowler in. What a beauty. I'm in awe of this art. Tom is a good human. Follow him for when his list opens up for more amazing art. And that is a wonderful, beautiful Annihilus. And he didn't just get Annihilus. He got Annihilus with the FF in like a force bubble. So that's like an extra bonus as far as I'm concerned. But really cool, and I and I know like the backstory behind this. I think he got it because he uh, needed some Marvel Universe issues, and DJ just was like, "Here, you can have mine." And art was ch- was changed hands, I believe. So good oh, for DJ. That's awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. DJ plays a lot of that stuff close to his vest when he talks about those sort of things. Yeah, because then people will be like, "How? What comics do you need?" You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have told the story, but hey, whatever. <laughs> But Tom Fowler is a fantastic underrated artist. Yep. Um, he usually ends up on a little bit more of the quirky stuff. Maybe he'll get to do a cover on something here or there. Um, you know, we talked earlier, um, and I know he writes stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, Marvel, roll the dice. Have Tom Fowler at least be the main artist on the new Amazing Spider-Man. Yep. If not both, you know? Yeah, you know, like... <laughs> Take a risk. Take take a chance. That's Don't make right. me sing. I would I would I would take a risk and put uh, Tom Durenick on it, but if not, Tom Fowler. Well, I don't know. Uh, you mentioned about uh, you know cross uh, company workers there. You know. Yeah. Well, I think I think Tom would take Spider Man. I think he would too. Let me tell you a story off mic later. Anyway. All right. Write that down. So, uh, I think that's it for the main show, eh? Yeah. All right. So, thanks everyone for listening to this part of episode 560 of Longbox Heroes. We're going to get to some TV talk starting off with the most recent episode of Loki. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, they're actually out doing some adventuring. They being uh, Loki, Owen Wilson, and the rest of the uh, TVA. Right, the Minutemen is what they call them. Yes. Uh, we get a bit at the beginning where they're at a Renaissance Fair in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, 1985. Um, and we see whoever this is, and again, I had postulated that it's not low-key. Uh, suffice to say, I was wrong by the end of this episode. Uh, we see low-key kind of put the whammy on one of the Minutemen who... Uh, Loki is essentially possessing and kind of beats the crap out of the Minutemen uh, and takes one with with them. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that Loki is doing is is uh, taking a bit off of their equipment. What was the thing that that Loki was taking? He's always taking those time charges that reset things. Yeah, yeah. So 
then we get some real serious, and I don't mean like serious, like, oh my God, it's so deep and heavy, but we get some serious Tom Hiddleston low-key acting. Mm-hmm. When they show up at the at the Renaissance Fair to investigate what's going on, and then Loki kind of lays out his plan, but obviously it's a trick because that's what Loki does. He's a trickster. But I really like that scene, that whole monologue, that whole bit of his. I really like that part. Mm-hmm. But I also liked how Owen Wilson was able to kind of see through it because, you know, he he knows a lot about Loki since that's who they're after. Yep. Uh, but that kind of puts Loki, it's like, well, okay, I can't use my typical bag of tricks. What else can I do? Because Loki's whole thing is he wants leverage because he wants to have an audience with the timekeepers. As you had brought up last week, where here at the Time Variance or the TVA or whatever it's called, uh, the Infinity Stones gems don't mean as much <laughs> uh, to these folks as they do to the rest of the Marvel Universe. The time, uh, the, the the what is it? The time masters, the time keepers, the time like, lords, the, the time t- lords. Yeah. No, not time lords. They're definitely not that. Right. The time keepers. So Loki wants an audience with them. Uh, Loki then, and and again, I love this bit where Loki kind of like does detective work and says, "Okay, well, where if I was me and I am, where would I be hiding and no one can find me?" Mm-hmm. And what he figures out is. Uh, the other Loki that they're hunting down is hiding in time right before other disasters are happening. Right. And to prove it, takes Owen Wilson to Pompeii right before the big volcano explodes and just goes and tells the people everything that's going on, causes a whole bunch of ruckus, and Owen Wilson holds up his thing and says, no, there's no activity. You know, obviously... Because everything's about to be wiped out, what you're doing has no effect in the timeline. So right, that's how. Lo- oh, sorry. Because it's Volcano Day, and on Volcano Day, I always set your alarm. But um, <laughs> yes, I did like that whole bit. I really like because he's like, well, yeah, because everybody dies. Whatever we do, they don't go off and explain that there was a guy here in funny clothes talking about time travel, and we change time because nobody's left. I'm like, that's a really good plot point and the way it works. But the thing that I really do like is while Loki's doing the detective work, he ends up finding out about Ragnarok. And they're doing all these bits, like over the first two episodes, like he sees his timeline, he sees that he's he's, uh, been killed by Thanos later on, and he ends up getting his mother killed. All this stuff that I think... And if the show's done well, like it's making you think he's doing a face turn, but I always stand by, they make you think he's doing a face turn so he could do the heel turn. And, um, but in that maybe he does. And that's where, if you get what I mean, like that you have to walk that tightrope and right now they're doing a decent job of it. So, um, but yeah, I like that, that plot point. And I like the fact that Owen Wilson gets like, uh, Loki to do his best work by needling his ego, if that makes any sense. I love yeah. that. So. so what they discover, so they're now trying to figure out, looking at all the, you mentioned that he finds out what happens with Ragnarok um, or with um, Valhalla, that the Ragnarok happens and everything. Asgard. 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 Um, but now, okay, now we're looking at all these different uh, cataclysmic events, but there's 
hundreds and thousands of them. But there's another clue that they have because at one of the whatevers, they found wrappers for kablooey gum. Right. The female Loki gave the little kid the kablooey gum. Well, again, you know, again, we're into spoiler talk, but we don't have the reveal yet that it's the female Loki. Right. But he mentions. Right. Uh, well, yeah, we're supposed to talk. But they mentioned in the first episode that the person that they're looking for, which is the Loki that they want, the, to- the, the other variant. All right. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place. But you get what I'm saying. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, uh, they're like, OK, well, when did this gum exist? Then they find that, and now they have it narrowed down to the year 2050, where there's a Class 10 apocalypse that's happening in Alabama. Right. And um, that's... Oh, sorry. I was say homage to Jason Aaron, who loves Alabama, but anyway. Yeah. So that's where they get uh, more information on the low-key, what this low-key's plan is, uh, all those little time reset things that are set up all around the place. And this is where we get the reveal that it is Loki. And we were shown earlier in the episode that there's many different iterations, many different versions of Loki that exist. And this is the first time that we see in Marvel canon the female Loki, which was a big deal in the comic books that had happened. Right. Uh, she, the female Loki, goes to make her escape. Our Loki follows behind her, and the door closes behind them. And that's how the episode ends. Right. Well, they she drops the time charges through little doors and it ends up screwing up the timeline. Um, you know what I mean? Like, cause that's how it ends in the, the, the time variance authorities. Like we don't know what happened. Everything's going crazy. The, the, the sacred timelines being destroyed. Um, I have a theory on that because I was talking with my brother. Um, and we ended up saying like, when a female Loki kidnapped that one time agent and they, and they, and, um, uh, Owen Wilson ends up finding her. And she says, it's like, what happened? He's like, I told her, I told her. He's like, I, t- I told Loki, I told Loki, what did you tell them? And she's like, I told them where to find them. And I think every, like a couple of people are like, oh, they sent them into the timeline to destroy different things to screw things up. I think she sent them to wherever the Time Lords were, wiping them out. And now the timeline's on its own because I can't imagine what informa- information she needed for like other than where the, the, the things were. And she said, I told them where to find them. I don't know who else the them were, if that makes any sense. Right. Cause we got a bit earlier in the episode where as Loki's kind of doing his filibustering thing, we see on their, their, their readings out, the timeline is veering off, veering off, veering off. And once it gets to a certain point, they can't get it back mm-hmm. and they get it back because they get Loki to get to the point and move on. But with whatever the female Loki does here, not only is there one, but there's multiple of these variances all coming off at the same time, right. which is going to just send everyone off on these wild goose chases to stop all of those while she goes off and does whatever she's doing. And I think you have a really good point that possibly she is working with or for or something with the timekeepers. Right. Something's up. I don't, I really don't trust the time variance or whoever's <laughs> running the place. Cause they're dirt bags, man. The way they treat people who who've stepped off the line. It's not always their fault. Just wipe them out. I don't know. Seems a little, seems a little heavy handed sometimes, Joe. And we get a little bit of uh, a, l- a little, uh tipping of that when Owen Wilson is in the office of like the woman who's in charge and she's kind of dressing them down for failing on their last mission but also he's kind of lamenting that she gets to keep all the cool stuff that he finds 
and she even insinuates that she may have someone else that she's that is working for her that she likes better than Owen Wilson. Mm-hmm. And Owen Wilson gets a little bit jealous, maybe. Yep. Um, maybe it's low female Loki is working for her. I think so, and I think there's a moment where Owen Wilson signs the paperwork and he looks down at the pencil and he's like, and, and that's when he realizes he's like, I didn't bring you this thing. She's like, I have other people that you like more. I right. think we're going to find like whatever was on that pencil. It was like Lyndon B. Johnson high school or something like that. Yes. That's going to show up again. And that's the, like, he's going to see that and he's going to put pieces together. If you get what I mean. Yeah. So hopefully I'm looking forward to it. So I last week said I didn't love the first episode. It was just I, um, mm-hmm. and while it feels as though we're kind of all over the place with this, uh, the second episode, I really like the second episode, but it's so tough to explain what goes on in a show that's so heavily based around time travel and alternate versions of same people. Are you saying the show's a little too wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, Joe? Um, no, because that's not a real thing, right? But- what I'm just saying is there's a lot going on. There was a lot packed into this 50 some minutes uh, of this episode, but it was all enjoyable. Right. And I just want to say this. I don't know if I mentioned this before into the mic, but it will probably get me into trouble is my problem with this. I, I'm enjoying the show. It's way lower than both cap and, uh, and or WandaVision. But I always thought Loki was a way overrated villain by people in the, in the movies. Like they loved him way too much. And I, I always thought Tom Hiddleston as Loki in the movies was always just all right. Well, I think we mentioned it last week where uh, he was not the threat of a villain that he could have, should have, would have been. Right. Uh, I think he ended up being the first villain in the movies because he was the first villain of the comic books. And that's what, that's before these movies became the international phenomenons that they are currently. Right, and he was the he was the character that didn't he didn't the Avengers come together because of Loki? Yes. So they were just like we're doing the continuity thing, so it makes sense to me. Right. Whereas if they weren't doing the continuity thing, if it was already an international phenomenon, they would have made it like a little bit more sexier of a villain. In there. right, it would have been Thanos or something. Right, it would have been the tease of Thanos. It would have been Thanos right from the rip. It just worked out that it's like, okay, well, this villain now builds to the really big villain that's going to be Thanos, and we really do have a plan, because they actually did have a plan. Um, But after the first Avengers, anytime Loki shows up on his his own, doesn't do it for me. It's Loki interacting with the other characters that's good. He's never looked at as a threat. He's never looked at as, like, a credible whatever but he always has good interactions with the other characters. Right. And don't forget, it goes Loki leading to Thanos, leading to the one true villain, Dr. Doom. That's, that's I, the order. I'd be hard-pressed to disagree with that statement. Good. I'm glad you do. And I'm going to leave it to you to lead us into the latest episode of Legends of Tomorrow. Which is entitled Back to the Finale Part 2, which is an ode to uh, Back to the Future Part two with um, the our team, the Legends, has found out that uh, basically Sarah's dead in space through a series of events. So they're like, what are we going to do? So Bayrod decides to take it upon himself to do you after using his thinking weed, Joe, right? Oh, boy. So, so he decides he leaves it on the Rip Hunter time board that he's going to do a Back to the Future 2. So the Legends go after him and they basically go... 
what are you doing? He's like, ah, you can't stop me. They're like, no, no, we're going to help you. So they end up going back to last season's finale, um, dressed like, you know, in the clothes that they had with all the great wigs and all the makeup and everything. Oh, Todd, the wigs in this episode. <laughs> right. And I, I, I just want to throw in as you're going through this, you say that they go they go back to last year's finale. Mm-hmm. They say in the episode, what are we doing? Going to last year's finale? Yes, they do. And they're like, this episode. it was fantastic. And and one of them, because who's not there? Uh, I forget who. Oh, it was Spooner goes, yeah. what's a finale? And they're going, don't worry, you're going to love it. <laughs> it's like, so I'm like, I'm with it. But this is the same show who now mentioning a finale, 15 times mentioned a crossover. So we're not a part of the crossover this year. Like that was one of my favorite bits. So they go off and they're going to go back in time to the night and they're going to distract and or get Sarah onto the wave rider early. So she cannot be uh, abducted by the aliens. Um, But they're worried because that's going to change the timeline. Spooner won't be there. John wants it to change because then he'll still have his magic. Uh, Then, you know, they have to figure out who was like, where was everybody that night? Cause they have to step in when they're count. What? Yep, I'm just saying, like, I think for a goofy, messing around show like this, they tried their best to take such care as to do this as best as they can without messing up the in-show continuity timeline. Right. So they're like, oh, we're all, like, doing this, and Bayrod's, well, oh, I have my, you know, I have my a weed o'clock, so I do that at midnight, so I have that, and then, um, you know, John and what's her, I can't think of the, uh, the the woman's name, uh, who's Barad's sister. Um, they have, they go off for Zari. 20 minutes. What? Zari? Zari. My mistake. I'm, I'm all over the place. So they're like, Oh, we have some time where we slipped off for 20 minutes. And she's like, eh, 15. Like there was bits. We obviously know what they're, what they're doing. So they're trying to, 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 to figure out how they're going to do it. And Sarah goes, I'm not leaving at any point early. I got to, I got to propose to my, my girlfriend. So they're like, oh, well, now we have to speed up the process. Why isn't she proposing? So they end up each taking their shot to try and get her to do it. And she's like, I'm going to do it in my own time. Um, so they end up having like a plot of, well, they'll, they'll do this bit where they fill a mannequin with fireworks and they'll push her into like, they'll do the timing and push it and that'll be abducted. And then the fireworks will go off. And, but the, 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 the aliens will still be spread out in time. Uh, but that gets stopped because steel from the future with an eye patch. Well, he's supposed to be snake Pliskin. Right, and Constantine's jacket comes and, back. And a fantastic wig. <laughs> right, with a, what's the stuff he was eating? Um, uh, Curry. There's a good toilet moment in Curry where they he comes back in time. And there's just all these things that are just great, like coming in and out. And Sarah and Spooner have a great conversation. That Which was one of my favorite parts of the episode um, about helping and hurting people. Um so while all this is going on to, to get to the end, uh, Rory's on the planet that Sarah's at. Sarah's dead. She's been cloned. She has regeneration powers. She wants to redo a clone of herself, but normal, and then send her back and they'll kill. Uh, uh, it's not Gideon. I always say his name wrong. Um, who's the main villain this season? Bishop. 
Bishop, Bishop from Aliens. Um, he, uh, he, they end up like you know killing him, kind of a deal. But he drops his consciousness into a computer, so Mick ends up helping Sarah escape. But they're going to destroy the place, so uh, Bishop can't upload his consciousness into the universe. But they end up destroying it early before Sarah can create the uh, other clone of herself, the normal one. But Mick doesn't care because Sarah's his early, like longest friend, even longer than Captain Cold, apparently, who never gets mentioned anymore. Um, and they leave, destroying the place, destroying that other clone. She's going back with her alien form. Um, and she starts to realize that the idiots of the Legends are starting to change the timeline. They have to get back in time. She does, but it's not before what? The, the regular... Sarah gets abducted because Barad distracted her. It's like in a true, like it, if I didn't do this, everything would have been fine. But Sarah comes back with Mick without Gary's wife. And they end up having Sarah propose to Ava, which was, I thought a great scene of Ava and, and Sarah uh, proposing and like Ava, like saying yes too fast and like them prompting each other to say everything. I, I, I don't stand often Joe, but I stand Ava and Sarah so hard. I will. So I, I'll say this great episode, lots mm-hmm. of fun. This felt like the actual season finale. Right. What well, was the finale part two? Where do we go from here, Joe? Well, we got uh, a Western episode next week without Jonah Hex because he's problematic. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, but then we have like a whole bunch of more episodes as the rest of the year goes on. And I, it, it, it was just. It's such a weird misdirect with the episode because it feels so much like the end of a season. It does. I don't think a lot. I think uh, Bishop is still out there. Somehow he might be. Now, do we still have aliens running around the timeline? Do we have to finish that up? You know what I mean? Or do we start a new storyline? I don't know. Excuse me. I don't know. I feel as though um, that is still going on. Okay. Not knowing nothing, I think Bishop may be gone. He didn't feel like a permanent threat, I guess, would be the best way to say it. Good, because I didn't like him, but anyway. No, I didn't like him either. Um, I didn't notice the sing-songiness until you mentioned it last week, and then it was all I could notice this week. Right. Um, I have one last question for you on Legends. All right. Is it just me? Or are Sarah's eyes really blue lately? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't. Uh, again, that's going to be something else that's going to stick in my craw when I watch the next episode. Now, because when she was dead on the table, which is Sarah's fifteenth time being dead, like it's hysterical. Um, but I noticed it, and then in this episode, she's walking around with like really blue eyes. And I don't know if she had that. I don't know. There's something there. So I won't know if it's a clue or what, but in the, and I didn't notice it until the last, like last episode and maybe the one before it, but if not the clone, like definitely where she's a clone. I don't know if it's that, that he not only gave her regeneration powers, but big blue eyes. So we'll see. I didn't notice that as much. All right. You'll notice it this week. Just I'll like sing songy Bishop. Right. Uh, but both shows are good this week. I like watching good TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get to catch up on all the wrestling I have to watch for at odds. Right. And then you're going to catch up on Flash, right? 
No. No. All right. All right. So now it's the end of episode 560 of Longbox Heroes. Now <laughs> for Todd. This is Joe saying thank you all for listening, and we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.